About 10 years ago, um, my wife and I, we were broke. Um, we had a son, he was about two years old at the time, and our daughter, our first daughter, our second child, uh, was real little also. The son was having some health problems, and we began to learn more about nutrition and what would be helpful uh, to help him come through some of the problems that he was dealing with. And we found out about a type of milk that would be really, really good for his system, and we wanted to, to get this. My wife did a ton of research on it. We knew some people who drank this type of milk. I'd always thought it was kind of weird, but hey, let's try something new. This is a big problem that we're having. And uh, so as my wife was looking into it, we found out that this milk costs about two and a half to three times as much as what a normal gallon of milk costs. And for us, things were really, really tight. We kept track of every dollar. We knew where it all went. We knew that we had X amount of dollars to spend on groceries every single month. And then all of a sudden, what we needed, what I would perhaps help my son get better, was out of our reach. And it was so upsetting. It was so frustrating. Well, my wife decided to do what my wife does so often, and she just prays. She knows that she has a loving Father in heaven, and she prayed, and she said, God, we need this type of milk. Please give us the money to buy this type of milk. And shortly thereafter, a friend of ours that we went to church with came to us, and she said, Kyle and Jen, God told me to start buying this milk for you, so I'm going to start getting some every week, and I'm going to drop it off for you. God just told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. God surprised us. We are in a relationship with God, and God, in his goodness, he surprised us. God did not have to do what he did for us, but he chose to out of his love for us because we were in relationship with him. God gave us a good gift. And today what we're going to do is we're going to see, examine a story where God surprised one of his people. We're going to be going into the life of Abraham. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, we have actually been uh, studying the life of Abraham for a few months now. And uh, what we've seen, what we've been learning from this man named Abraham is we've been learning what it means to believe God. And we've been discovering how uh, reliable and how trustworthy God is and how much he does for his people and how much he blesses us. And in today's story from Genesis chapter 17, from verses 15 through 27, we're going to see God surprise Abraham in a really huge way. So in order to understand this story today, we need to recall some things uh, that happened if this story is going to make sense for us. We should recall that God had made some very important promises to Abraham God had promised Abraham that he would give Abraham a big piece of land to live on. He had told Abraham that he would make Abraham's name great and that he would give Abraham many descendants and that he would bless the whole world through Abraham's family. So for Abraham, some of this was hard to believe. At the time that God first gave these promises to Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old. And Sarah was 10 years younger at the age of 65. And at the time, they had had no children. And about 25 years had passed from the time of the initial promise found in Genesis chapter 12 until the time of our passage today in Genesis chapter 17. If you were with us three weeks ago, you saw that Abraham had a son 
uh, with one of his slave servants. It was a weird story, especially by our cultural norms and standards that we have uh, today. And what we saw in that story is that we should not try to accomplish God's plan in a way that he isn't leading us into. When Abraham ran ahead of God, he faced a lot of negative consequences and a lot of problems as a result of his impatience. In that story three weeks ago from Genesis 16, we saw God respond to Abraham with great mercy. God did not reject Abraham and his wife because of their lack of faithfulness or because they got ahead of God. God actually came back, and in mercy, God told them more about what God was going to do for Abraham and his wife. And then two weeks ago, uh, Joe Pierce led us through the uh, first half of Genesis 17. And in the first half of Genesis 17, we saw that God changed Abraham's name to Abram, or, or to Abraham. It had been Abram, and God said, now your name is going to be Abraham. God also uh, tells Abraham that he is going to be making a covenant with Abraham, and that he will give Abraham descendants and land. And in this covenant, God promises to be their God. We're going to look more on that later and God also last week told Abraham that every male in his family and amongst his servants had to be circumcised and that in the future for all of his family and descendants, all the boy, little boys would have to be circumcised on the eighth day. And that, that is what God required of them under this covenant. What I'd like to do right now is read the passage that I'll be teaching from today. This is Genesis chapter 17 verses 15 through 27. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So in verse 15 and 16, God speaks to Abraham. He says, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, she shall become nations. Kings of people 
shall come from her. So God is moving Sarah, who is 90 years old at this time, from a place of barrenness to a place of fertility. What God is doing here is he's doing something that he does all throughout the Bible and something he's doing very much right now today. And, and you may not see it, but I promise you he's doing it. Is that God is a God who makes all things new. Are you watching today and you know that something needs to change? The God that we are reading of, the God that we worship and love and hope fellowship is a God who will make all things new for those who come to him in faith and repentance. So God here in these verses is telling Abraham that he is going to break through Sarah's barrenness. God tells Abraham that he's going to give Sarah something that he's never given to her before. He's going to give her a baby. God had already told Abraham that he would give him a son, and he had one, a son named Ishmael already, but this is the first time that God specifically said that he would give Abraham a son through his wife, Sarah. In these two verses, we see God doing what people thought would be impossible. We see him bringing good to those that uh, he has a relationship with in a way that they never foresaw, they never imagined it, they didn't see it coming. You see, God is a God who surprises his own people with his goodness over and over again. I've been a Christian for 23 years, and God regularly does things in my life that I never saw coming. And because of God's goodness in my life, it turns into an exciting adventure for all those who, for me and for everyone who belongs to him. So God spoke in verses 15 and 16, while Abraham responds in verses 17 and 18. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So when I first read how Abraham responded to God, I thought that Abraham was trying to tell God that God couldn't give Sarah a son. It was like Abraham was saying, um, I don't think so, God. Here's a better plan. That's impossible, God, so you just need to do it this way. That's what I thought and assumed. But upon closer study, I now feel strongly that Abraham is just reacting honestly to God. It would be natural for Abraham to have assumed that his son Ishmael from the slave woman would be the legitimate heir through whom all the covenant promises would be fulfilled. But Abraham, when God speaks, he falls on his face, he laughs, and he speaks honestly to God. God, how can this happen? God, don't you know how old I am? God, don't you know how old Sarah is? God, this would just be a whole lot easier if you would fulfill the promises through the son I already have. So I believe that when uh, Abraham said these things to God, when he fell on his face, laughed, he was experiencing a wide range of emotions. There were, was some disbelief, there was an element of shock that Abraham was experiencing, and there no doubt had to be some happiness and probably some unbelief and, and uh, bewilderment also. So God responds to what Abram, Abraham had just said. In verse 19 through 21, we read that God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. 
Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So in these three verses, God quickly, lovingly, and firmly corrects Abraham. Abraham was used to this by now, as any child of God should become over a period of time. God says, Sarah's going to have a son. God says, you should name him Isaac. God says, he is the one who I'm going to establish my covenant with. Isaac is the one through whom I want to bless all the nations of the world. God also says to Abraham that I am not going to neglect your other son that you had through the slave woman. Even though I haven't chose to establish my covenant with Ishmael, I will still bless him and he's going to become a great nation too. You see, in God's care and blessing of Ishmael, we see something that theologians call God's common grace. God blesses all people with many blessings, even those who are outside of his covenant. And God has every plan and every intention of being with Ishmael and providing for him and blessing him and give him a good life. And later on in biblical history, God is going to do some great things in some of Ishmael's descendants as well. But the covenant will primarily be established through Isaac. So let's look more closely at this idea of covenant. In the second part of verse 19, we see God say that I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So this is going to be everlasting, and it's going to be for his children and for his descendants. In verse 21, he says, I'm going, God says, I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac. And earlier in the chapter, in verse 7, God says to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. This covenant is a promise that God makes and initiates to a people that he chooses to be his own. He chose Abraham, he chose Isaac, and he did not choose Ishmael. In verse 7, we see that the covenant is to be an everlasting covenant. This means that those who belong to God will always belong to God. We also see in verse 7 that the purpose of the covenant is to make a people who will follow God as God. He is creating a people. He is creating a family who will live under his rule and reign in his kingdom. The purpose of this covenant with Abraham and the purpose of the new covenant that Christians are a part of today is so that God will be our God. I'd like to ask you, is God your God? When we move on to verse 21, the final part of God's response, God tells Abraham that Isaac will be born in about a year. What we see in this passage is that God is laying out a very specific plan and a very specific timeline for Abraham. So verse 21 ends, there's no protest from Abraham, and God has now clearly and specifically stated what he is going to do for Abraham and Sarah, and Abraham is on board. And then we get to verses 22 through 27, the last five or six verses, and we see Abraham move forward in obedience to the next part of God's plan. I told you earlier that two weeks ago we learned that God had told Abraham to circumcise all the men and each child that would be born into their family. This circumcision would serve as a sign of the covenant. It would be similar to, if you're a church-going person, it would be similar to like a baptism 
which we do back there, and also the Lord's Supper, which we do right here at this table. It would be similar to that. Circumcision would continuously remind Abraham's descendants of what God had done. As each child would be circumcised on the eighth day, Abraham's family would be reminded that God has set them apart from all the other families and all the other nations of the world. God had chosen them, and his purpose, as we saw back in verse 7, was to be God to them. I tell you, church family and everyone who's watching, God wants to be God to us. It is hard to say what Abraham may have thought about this surgery that was now going to be a regular part of the life of his people. We know now, 4,000 years later, that this cutting away of the flesh would point to a greater surgery. It would point to a greater removal. Under the new covenant that got started after Jesus died and rose from the dead, God performs a different type of circumcision. He performs a circumcision done not by hands, but by the Spirit. And he performs a circumcision that is not the cutting away of the flesh, but it is a circumcision of the heart. See, God makes people a new creation. He performs a spiritual circumcision, cutting away our sinful nature by the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, I thought Joe did a really good job of discussing the specifics of how all this works. I'll put a link to the sermon podcast in the show notes below. If you have any questions, go check it out. It was awesome. So what is most important to realize about Abraham's obedience in these final verses in chapter 17 is that God's people follow God as God, and they move forward with God in whatever plan that God may have for them, even if God tells them uh, to do something that may seem strange to them and to others. I want to ask you, what is it that God wants you to do with your life? What is it that God has been saying to you for a long time? And what is it that he's saying to you here and now today? Does he want you to turn to him and become a Christian? Does he want you to humble yourself and pick up the phone and call someone and make things right with them? Maybe something you've been needing to do for a while. Does he want you to say no to something in your life and begin submitting that area of your life to God? I want to ask you, do you believe in this God that Abraham was walking with? You see, this God, he's not just the God of Abraham. He's also the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of Jesus. He's my God, and he is the God of many of you who are watching today. Is he your God? Is he your God? And what happens if you don't know if he's your God? I want to tell you that just as God made promises to Abraham and he fulfilled every single one of them, God has issued some promises to us. God has uh, given an invitation in his word and throughout history. It's an invitation that I've received and many of the people at Hope Fellowship have received. It's an invitation and it comes with a promise. God says that if you turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in faith, that God will save you. This means that he will deliver you from sin. He will deliver you from sin's penalty. This means that he will make you a new creation. It means that you will be delivered from eternal judgment and that you will spend eternity in God's presence, beholding him face to face. So here is what I want all of us to do. I want us to recognize that God is good to all people, but especially good to those who are in covenant relationship with him. 
I want you, if you belong to God, if you are a Christian, to expect God to bless you and to surprise you regularly with blessings that you don't deserve and to bless you and to know that, that uh, it might be a surprise. I want you to get ready for surprises from him. I want you to know that God has a plan and that his plan is always best. Please do not ever assume that you know exactly how God is going to do something or, or everything in the years ahead. Just keep it simple. Walk with God today in simple love and simple obedience to whatever he has for you in the moment right now today. And then when you wake up tomorrow, I want you to do the exact same thing all over again. And as you do this, God will fulfill and accomplish his purposes in you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for sovereignly working in our lives. And I pray that everyone who has listened to this would know God better than they did before. God, I pray that you would surprise each of your people in a very special way this week. And I pray that you would give all of us extra grace and strength in the middle of this very strange season in our nation and in our world. And God, I pray for anyone who has listened to this, who is far from God, I pray that they would come close to you. I pray that they would know for sure that, that you would receive them and that they can have your love and be in a covenant relationship with you also. So God, please do that for everyone who is listening to this today. Amen. So I would like to thank you for participating in Hope Fellowship's uh, worship during this strange season of isolation that we are currently in. We would love it if you would comment below and let us know if you found anything interesting in today's teaching. Uh, feel free to post any questions you may have or contact us directly if there is anything that we can do for you. We want the people of Hope Fellowship to be a safe place for you to grow closer to God. So, again, thank you for joining us and let us know what we can do for you. Thank you. And one more thing, church family. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great week, church. Love you. Bye.